This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio. Homesdale Radio. Puts Crystal Palace in front from absolutely nothing. Driven in and a wonderful strike by Dean Moxie. Dean Moxie does well to put it back into the danger area. This is Jermaine Easter and that's a wonderful finish. Hello everyone and welcome to Homestar Radio. I'm your host Chris Hambling and with me today I have Mark Ross and Aaron Mitchell. Um, before I do anything else, let me give you the contact details for us. Uh, we're twitter.com forward slash whole radio. Make sure you include at whole radio with your message. Uh, excuse me one second while I untangle some wires. There we go. And uh, just like the professionals. And um, we're also on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash whole radio. Uh, you can email us at any point. It's radio at homesdale.net. And a bit later on, give us a call when we're discussing the uh, the Burnley match. It's 0208 123 1646. Got any comments you want to make or you want to insult us in any way, shape or form, that'd be great. Um, I think the first port of call really is to go and uh, go and have a chat with both Aaron and Mark. I'm going to go to Aaron first. We haven't, haven't spoken to Aaron in a while. He's been off for a couple of weeks from the show. Uh, what's happened in those couple of weeks, Aaron? Anything exciting? Hello, hello, Chris. Um, not much exciting apart from I finished fourth in my bowling tournament. I am very depressed. I was first and now I'm fourth. I mean, uh, who finishes? Who finishes fourth? Do you want? Do you want our imprint? No, exactly. You should be depressed. I but, am you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll spur you on to be better in the future, though, eh? And uh, yeah, obviously, okay. well, it's your first sort of chance to say what you've thought of uh, our start to the season. Uh, lots against Peterborough must have depressed you, like everyone else. But uh, but a bit happier now. We put got a win behind us. Yeah, definitely happy. Peterborough was a, a slight disappointment, but you know you can't really sit back on a one-nil lead. However. Against Burnley is a much different story. We absolutely caned them. Hmm. Good stuff, mate. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Mark now. Um, you might be detecting uh, a slight, um, should we say, malfunction in my voice. Um, Mark will help me shed some light onto that. Basically, what happened was we we can talk about on the pitch against Burnley later on. Off the pitch was another story. We started with one of the uh, regular Homesdale meets. Uh, 
which are always entertaining down at the White Horse. But um, things carried on a while after the game, didn't they, Mark? Mark? Is he exploding again? What? I think he's doing it on purpose. Uh, Indeed, (laughs) we did. Ah, for the love of God. Are you gonna gonna share any kind of an opinions on that? Uh, yes, honestly, we I were... will. Yeah, I thought you were gonna ask me a question, but uh, I did. You just wrong. ignored it. <laughs> no, no. Well, I did, yes, well, <clears throat> but uh, yes, no. We had a um, a rather good HOL meet in the White Horse pre-match, didn't we? Uh, a lot of uh, yeah, yeah. regular faces and, we, and some new faces. We actually got a, got got a picture of Mikey as well, didn't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and we're gonna it was extremely angry that about that. that. Billboard well, in South Norwood, I think. <laughs> and uh, then we had quite a good uh, meet-up in the Cherries, didn't we? Post-match. And that yeah, got um, very lively. It did. Demon Legend was there, and uh, yeah. the lads Aston. from Norway, we'll talk about them later. And uh, who else was down there? I can't remember. Oh, Stuart Eagle. Uh, we bumped into yeah. five-year plans Andy Street, singing about Stuart O'Keefe, unsurprisingly. It does yeah. have a thing for Stuart O'Keefe. Um, there was all sorts down there. We saw Aiden, who posts as A.A. Miller on, on Holmesdale, who was barely yeah. able to think or speak. I was quite impressed with him. Uh, yeah, it's just all sorts in fact, of people. They, uh, was, if I remember rightly, they turned all the lights out in the pub before we left. They did. That's why we left. The, it, became, it became dark. But I have to say, it, that was that's what I really needed to kickstart the season, was it was a Palace win, but also... Just, just one of those completely unplanned all-nighters singing yourself hoarse in the pub. It's great Drunk to be back at and wasn't it? Yeah, Drunk. it was a bit of that. But uh, what I say is, obviously, we've got a, we've got a, um, a Homesdale radio diary of the game later on. Uh, we've had to cut it down significantly due to uh, King Vagabond's constant uh, chatter. But uh, basically, yeah, later on you'll get to hear some of that atmosphere and uh, a few comments from a few various different fans, which should uh, should at least be vaguely interesting and amusing. Um, also coming up a bit later on, we've got um, we've got an interview with Rob Quinn. We'll basically be playing out with that, and uh, Rob uh, was was with us sort of uh, mid nineties, basically. I think we got some better detail than that actually within the interview. Um, but he, uh, yeah, obviously he came through the youth system at Palace and he talks a little bit about that and um, about when it was time to move on. Basically, that whole experience, uh, you know, he played in the um, playoff final uh, where we lost to Steve Claridge's shin, uh, all those sorts of things. And he talks about being managed by uh, Dave Bassett, by Steve Koppel, and actually being by, managed by Ron Notes at, at Brentford, which is, uh, very, you know, it's good stuff. And uh, he's also back at the club in some capacity and he'll, uh, he'll tell you about that in a bit later on. Um, well, well, I think. From there, we, we well, I've got a few little bits of admin to talk about first, to be fair. Uh, the first one we'll do is our uh, whole Radio Fantasy Football League. Now, that, that, that was very, uh, there's a difference this week. I'm certainly not at the bottom. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going st- to start up the top end of the table, and I'm gonna, first thing I'm going to say is that Tony uh, Morland is still up the top end of the table. And very frustrating that is, too. Um, but he's already won one prize off us, and he's not happy with that. He wants to go and take another one, but he's had a couple of very, very strong weeks. But in second place, Mark, did you want to mention anything about who's in second place? Well, who is in second place? I, I don't recognise the name. It might be you. So you had a good week, didn't you? Who was your, who was your biggest scorer there? Any ideas? Yeah, Nolan, because he was my skipper, so... Yeah, I did the same. With, I did the same with Nicky Maynard. Actually, got six yeah. points off putting him as yeah. skipper. But um, I had, yeah, I had about three scorers and 
three scores and a couple of clean sheets, I think, was what. Anyway, I've, I've filled for a while there because I forgot to actually open the table, but now I have. I can talk a bit more in a bit more detail about it. Oh, so you're uh, bullshitting up- again. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm like that. Uh, propping up the table <laughs> once again is uh, is Seely Fairley, who's uh, Michael's mum. Um, she's on three points, but I think she's being held back by having Tyrone Mears in the squad. Bless her. Um, I think we should have some sad uh, music playing for that. You know, <laughs> we should really have the, the sad music, but yeah, probably a bit late now. Um, just a, a few other um, ones to pick out. Uh, just just a couple of places up is Jamie Fairley. The Fairley family doing very well um, there. Uh, Aaron Mitchell in 24th. Aaron. Oh God, I'm the lowest yeah. presenter. Oh, that's that's pretty bad, isn't it's it? About really? right, isn't it? Really? Just, yeah, John Burton. <laughs> Group of five, then. <laughs> then the steaming up the table in the glorious 22nd place is uh, is me, Chris Hamling, and uh, just yeah, it, first is Nick, and <laughs> 19th is uh, is Matt Packham, equal 19th. But yeah, all the presenters pretty much struggling. Mikey's, Mikey's doing all right, isn't he? Mikey's, Mikey's up there in 12th, but only two points ahead. It's a Big cluster. It's very like the Championship League goes. Shows what we know. But as you go further up the list, we've got Furhad, who's the occasional, very, very occasional presenter on here, uh, in ninth place, just above Ryan Innes. Uh, Ryan, you still owe us five pounds. Um, <laughs> Vanessa has, uh, has dropped to eleventh place. <laughs> 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 oh, the uh, 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 yeah, so, so I don't know what happened there. Uh, what else we got? We got uh, Stuart Kennedy in fourth, Lewis Humphreys in third, Mark Ross in second, and Tony Moreland at the top. Anyway, that's enough on that. That's going well. It's shaping up nicely. Chris, Chris, I've know, got to ask what? you: is 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 uh, is um, is uh, Mikey's mum there so that everybody else can feel better about themselves? Absolutely. <laughs> I think so. No one can be bottom. Is that? I think reason? it's just, you know, I think you've got to remember it's only two games into the season. I think she's playing the long game. Uh, I think she'll come steaming up that tape, frankly. All right, let's see. Um, she's obviously getting no yeah. help from her family, is yeah. she? Absolutely. No. <laughs> obviously, there's, uh, there's a prize at the end of that. It's a winner takes all. I think it's 135 quid minus any of the fees that um, PayPal are going to take, which I think is 37p per person. Some of us paid the 37p ourselves, you know, but there we are. Not everyone did. Um, okay, look, next up we've got um, got quick mention for uh, a former guest, Gareth Davis, who used to play for us. Uh, he's got a, a shirt on eBay. Um, if you go to www.wholeradio.net forward slash shirt, uh, if you're a collector, it's a, a signed uh, match shirt of all the bits and pieces, and it's a, it's a charity auction uh, to the Brainwave charity, and I, you do have a look at that and, uh, and put a bid in if you can. It's... Um, that's fantastic stuff for uh, Gareth doing that. He's been very generous to help out that charity, and it'd be nice if, uh, if a collector gets gets a worthy prize. Uh, I've just also been asked to mention an event at the White Horse on uh, Sunday, the 28th of August, starting at 11am, going on till midnight. It's their annual charity fun day, and I'm going to read the blurb for you now that's on Facebook. Uh, it says, We are holding yet another charity fun day to raise money for Help for Heroes and the Marie Curie Cancer Care. Our aim is to get 100 people to take part in our bungee jump, and I happen to know that uh, D-Boy from Hull is doing that, and I think Danny H and Danny H's brother as well are doing that as well, which um, that in itself is worth sponsoring, because just to see the look on, on D-Boy's face as he bungees about the place. Um, it says you can jump for free by raising £110, but however much you raise is a great help towards raising, reaching their £8,000 target to split between the charities. Uh, for your entertainment, we will also have the Crystals cheerleaders and Palace players in attendance, along with an all-day disco, barbecue, bouncy castle, which will be great, <laughs> and karaoke in the <laughs> evening. 
Bouncy Castle. A uh, raffle will be held after the jumping, and the tickets are on sale now behind the bar. It's £1 for a strip of tickets, various prizes, and all proceeds going to charities. Uh, accept the challenge, pick up a sponsorship form from behind the bar, post your email address on the event wall on Facebook, uh, and have one emailed to you. You can do that. Uh, help them reach their target and help the charities. Uh, sorry, Mark, were you saying something there? Yeah, was the line strip and crystals? Was that the same sentence? Yeah, those those <laughs> words appear in close proximity, so shall I leave you for a while with that thought? Um, <laughs> anyway, look, we're going to leave all the listeners with that thought. God, man. Uh, so this the Sunday, the 28th of August, starting at 11 a.m. I mean, obviously, the Crystals and the Palace players are, are worth going to look, look for, look at. <laughs> uh, uh, Especially Stuart O'Keefe. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think Stuart O'Keefe's attendance will certainly bring a certain person around. But, okay, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, just keep an eye on that. You'll find it on Facebook. I'll try and remember to put a link in the, um, in the whole radio threads on BBS and Hull as well. Uh, that is the admin done, you'll be happy to know. So we're going to talk about Burnley. Um, but before, Hello, welcome to the White Horse. It is your host, Chris Hambling. Um, first time game of the season, we're all looking, looking to, to, to come away with a win. Everyone's feeling very optimistic. I, I know you were, Alan, but I need to ask you about a certain signing we're going to make. Anyway, Alan's running away. So, um, well, the first thing is I'm going to, I'm going to, talk, to talk to Mark and uh, let Mark bore you to death with uh, his opinions on how he sees the game going today. Mark! Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you for that introduction. Very nice of you. Um, yes, yes. Come on! Uh, well, judging on last week's performance, certainly the second half of last week, um, I would say I'd be happy with a point today, which is a, a pretty uh, poor outlook for the first home game of the season. But, um, uh, you know, with the injuries we've got and suspensions and uh, a lot of low knees in, I think, that, um, I think a point would be a fair result today. I think that's uh, it's very concise of you. Well done. And uh, for the first... Oh, go, sorry. The only good thing about this Saturday is that we can get a drink in this pub. We couldn't get one last Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Half hour waiting time at the Charters. That was, uh, that was Paul. A quick game too. We'll, we'll come back to Paul a bit later on. I'm going to... Um, Mikey's with us today. It's his first... He's just run off. But it's his first, uh, first home... Yeah, he is. He is. That's his first um, season ticket, yeah. Um, Vanessa wants to talk about the fantasy football. I think it's very early to start talking about fantasy football, yeah, Vanessa. near the bottom, so how are you going to do this week? Well, I think, I think it's one game, isn't it? So I think, I think one game... I mean, anyone could be near the top at this stage. Um, uh, and, um, Ask Leo what he thinks. Okay. Okay, Leo, what do you think the score's going to be? Um, who's going to win? 9-0 Palace, you think? <laughs> Who's going to win? Who's going to score? Um, Sean... Sean Scannell? Oh, Sean Scannell's going to score. That's good, Leo. Yeah. About your obsession with Sean Scannell, Kels, um... I know you weren't going to talk to me today. Actually, I want to ask you... I want to ask you about the medal that Alan's got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for being in Luton. That's it. That's his medal, for being yeah, in Luton. Yeah, because uh, his mates up there always say that, so... Yeah. Collier Roe Eagle, Dave, he made him a special medal. But Alan's too shy to talk about it, so that's to do it. Yes. So could you um, could you tell us what you think Alan's feelings on the re-signing of Chef Kikuchi, if it happens, are going to be? I don't know. It depends. I don't know. You don't know? No. no. He hasn't mentioned Kikuchi. He's just no. been saying he wants to talk about David Price. So. He wants to talk. He loves, I mean, he loves Dave. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think his affection for Kikuchi is about on a par with that of David Wright. Yeah. But I think we should go and ask him ourselves. Shall we go and hunt?
hunt him down. I think we should edge over there. We'll, we'll, um, we'll just try and keep it. So this it might go a bit quiet because I'm going to keep this hidden. Yeah, yeah, I will sneak it. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'm just going to hold, hold him. Hold him. Alan thinks I'll oh, fuck off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's fair enough. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and and yeah. what do you think about the David Wright Sheffield coaching no, front two? A <laughs> <laughs> new front two. Are you nine loon today, so you can be honest with us. <laughs> the new front two of David Wright and Sheffield Coochie. Do you think they can work off of each other, yeah? Coochie can knock it down for David Wright to strike it home. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sound good? Actually, it would be a good move because Cootie could eat all the pies left over from the Crawley game. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I think that's a positive one. I think Alan was also going to say he'd rather have me up front. I'm only on the bench today, Alan. I'd actually, <laughs> I would rather have you, Ambo, yeah. and Mark, mm. and Danny in the team <laughs> than Coochie <laughs> and uh, Dave. Oh, poor Dave and poor Coochie. At least, at least Coochie hasn't signed. Yeah, you can you can hope. Um, Mikey, do you want to speak? Mikey shook his head. It's not a good radio. Ah, uh, Danny. Hi, Danny. Right, I think Coochie's still working in an Emics kebab shop. <laughs> Did a st sterling job the other night. Apparently, he took some writers away from Sellers Park with his old kebab knife and that. They didn't stand a chance, mate. He was a bit slow. Couldn't catch him, but the knife was enough to put him off. He does do a good chicken donner as well, doesn't he? He does, and I think they're asking quite a lot of money for the transfer at Emics. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we can afford him, to be fair. No, well, we'll have to move on to other targets. Cheers, Danny. We're joined now by Aston. Uh, sort of. Yeah. Still hanging. A little bit. It's terrible. You, you must be feeling very enthusiastic about today. You often are. I am normally enthusiastic, aren't I? Yeah. I am. I am pickle. Um, pickle. 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 Yeah. My God. Sorry. Are you hungover today, Aston? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit hungover, Mark. A little bit hungover. But uh, but we don't talk about those kind of things in Homestead because uh, I think Homestead is a is a fantastic radio show. We don't need to be talking about one's antics on a on a, on a night previous we to don't. Crystal Palace. We don't. a good night last night. No. It's a fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> My thoughts on the game today? I don't know, right? We went to the Beatbra last week. You were with me. You were stood right next to me. I was uh, for a while until I fell over. Yes, I think I was on top of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> steady. Yeah, right. Rumours. That's how rumours. Thanks, thanks, D boy. Yeah. Uh, first half, we looked really good. Second half, completely different team. Mm. Looked like we'd gone backwards. Completely like the old team of late. Of all, I'm always enthusiastic, but I'm also a little bit dubious today. And D boy's making me laugh. It's <laughs> bad. His little comments. I hope they come out in the background. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's accusing us of bumming. I don't remember any bumming. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. Closet Brighton. Closet Brighton. I'm not saying. I'm Sorry. not saying I wouldn't. No. I'm just we saying I don't remember. We scored five. You scored none. D boy takes it up the bump. Great. <laughs> 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 okay, fantastic. Well, let, well, let's leave it there before things think? go wrong. What, what do I think? I um, I can either see it being a pretty dull draw, or I can see things going completely crazy today. Goals everywhere, and uh, yeah, us winning. Well, it's like four two, something like that. I'm going five. 5-0. 5-0. Again. It's a palace. Oh, alright. Okay. okay. <laughs>
Okay, yeah, it's uh, it's it's half time. I'm obviously still in the ground, obviously at the back of the Homesdale, where I have my half time break. Uh, definitely still half time. I didn't forget to do a half time report in any way, shape, or form. Why would I forget? I, I'd be an idiot if I forgot, wouldn't I, Mark? You go, yeah, yeah. So it's half time and it's one nil. It's definitely half time, definitely, and it's one nil. Uh, how do you think that first half went? <laughs> it was a bit deja vu from uh, last week. Peterborough played quite well, one nil up. Uh, hope it doesn't all go pear shaped second yeah. half. Yeah, I reckon second half we're going to play pretty well. I can see us getting a penalty, probably scored by Owen Garvin. I mean, I think Ambrose will probably be off the pitch by that point and Garvin will take it. Anyway, so let's. That's, that's my prediction. It's my, yeah. It's my prediction for the second half, and I think we'll, we'll go away with that 2 0 win. It's full time. Um, it's amazing, full time. We're in the uh, we're in the exact same location we were for the half time report. That's why it sounds the same. Um, Mark's with me. Mark, uh, my prediction was spot on for that uh, for that second half. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, have you got the lottery numbers for tonight <laughs> as well? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, what I'll do is I'll watch the lottery this evening. Then I'll pre-record something and play it out so it makes it look like I got them. Um, so, I mean, well, this is early early thoughts on uh, who impressed you in that in that game. Well, I was a bit nervous before we started with the lineup, but uh, I think everyone uh, played uh, their part in the game, and I think uh, Scannell stood out really well. I thought Parr had a good game uh, in midfield. Uh, Owen Garvin, it was good to see him get 90 minutes, and I think uh, overall he had uh, a good game. Um, I was disappointed in Burnley. I thought they were pretty poor and uh, a little bit on the dirty side. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, it was a comfortable win, a clean sheet, and I think uh, a lot of Palace fans will be happy with the result. Right, it is uh, 21 minutes past seven. Uh, we're still enjoying some post-match celebratory drinks at the, uh, the cherry trees. Hmm, the cherry trees. But we're going to go to King the Juzzler Bond, also known as Steve. Steve, uh, how did you find the game today? I actually prefer when you call me King the Jazzler Bond. But, uh, King, wait, King, King the Jazzler Bond. How did you find the game today? I, I think that we... <laughs> to be honest, I thought it was a very solid performance. I think there was times at 1-0 that we looked a little bit shaky. But to be honest, we tore them apart in the second half. And um, I think Scannell has proved what an absolutely fantastic striker he is. The way he ran his heart out today, he used tricks to get past their defence. And it was it was almost AJ like striker still to get himself that that can I, penalty. Can I check something with you? Uh, is it proved or proven? Uh, I'm going for uh, proven. You said proved earlier. I did. I, I <laughs> like to uh, yeah, I like to mix up the English language. If William Shakespeare can do it, so can I. He was baking bread. <laughs> exactly. I was baking bread. Um, I would agree with you on, on Scandal there. I, I used the phrase on Twitter earlier. He's, he looked like the complete striker. Uh, I, I thought he did everything everything well today. Um, uh, other than other than Scandal, anyone else you were impressed with? Uh, I thought Parr had a great game. 
Um, to be honest, I think seeing as we've got a, uh, a back four that actually don't know each other's first names at this moment in time, mm. I think they were they were quite strong. McGiven had slight concerns here that I thought he was a little bit narrow, um, and the ball kept going over to the uh, t- to the right or their right, mm. and um, I thought McGiven was a little bit dodgy in being too inside. But with that, he he tracked uh, he, he tracked forward well, he tracked back well. Mm. Um, I think we've we've got a lot of uh, a lot of people there that don't know each other too well, and I think they're gelling really quickly. Mm. You should never be too inside, should you, Steve? Um, Paul, I'm going to talk to you since Kev has disappeared. Um, we were talking earlier about the referee. I want a few comments from yourself on that. I thought the referee played a magic game. He let the game run, and he could have he could have he could have. When that little fracas happened in the centre of the game, in the centre of the pitch, and he um, he could he could have put two, three, four players there. He pulled he pulled both captains away, had a little chat with them, calmed it down. I think he did the right thing, and I think he did very very well. Are you pleased Eddie Howe's not the Palace boss? <laughs> Dougie Freeman for life. <laughs> <laughs> well, final thoughts for Mark, really, uh, and then then I might do some wrapping up in a kind of professional way. Uh, final thoughts, Mark, on the day, really, over an overall um, experience. Yeah, I'm delighted that uh, we got three points. Obviously, uh, kept a clean sheet. I thought uh, that um, everybody in the team played their part, and uh, we deserved the win. I was very uh, like. Uh, um, Quick game pool alluded to earlier. Quick game pool alluded to (laughs) that uh, Burnley were very disappointing Mm. and uh, they didn't look like uh, much of a threat. Although, Mm. as we alluded to earlier, they they did have a couple of half chances which they didn't bury because they didn't have a decent striker. But on the whole, we're off the mark. Mm. I think we're something like eighth in the table. It's probably the highest we'll be for the whole season. <laughs> Whoa. So on the so on that basis, uh, yeah, you know, you know, I, I'm pleased. And uh, and it was a bit part team, you know, made up of uh, low knees and sort yeah. of uh, people coming back from injury and mm. so forth. Uh, so uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, I'm pleased to win. My my worry is is that okay, well, that's the problem. We have part low knees. We've got three centre backs that basically don't, as we said earlier, they don't even know their name. They don't know their first names yet and we've got a problem there and after 28 days apparently that's how long they're here for then what happens yeah. and I mean this is I think is a major problem is that what happens after that oh here he goes I'm, I'm going to have to uh, disagree <laughs> again I'll say <laughs> the reason why there we go Mikey we might need to edit some of this yeah, man yeah. What, what I would say is what people need to remember in, in you know after the end of the 28 days what we do have is we have Moxie coming back Hopefully, we might have Klein coming back soon after. And yes, we're, we're actually lacking massively with centre-backs. But hopefully, we, m- we might actually have uh, some of these get extended. The loans extended. Yeah, yeah. And whispers that Dougie's think, uh, uh, looking that there might be one or two permanent signings coming in as well. So let's hope at least one of those might well be a centre-back. Maybe the lad that we're looking at from Norway who's been on trial with Man United a couple of times. I forget his name. Even and then the, Yeah. Anyway, so uh, like in summary, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the lad, yeah, yeah, Santa, it was Santa, yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I think we'll probably uh, we'll probably leave that there. I mean, overall, it was an enjoyable day, and um, I think I say for, for me that for me that for me the lesson was uh, not to be quite so judgmental when when looking at a team on paper because you should get should have more faith perhaps in in the manager to uh, to actually do the right thing, and he got it very much right today with everything that he did. And I, I'd like to say, what a difference a week makes. What a difference a week makes. I mean, it must be about half past nine by now. But I've been trying to leave the cherry trees for the best part of two hours, really, and they just won't let me leave. 
Why won't they let me leave? Please, let me leave. Now I'm recording. You can you can be on there. Hi, Stuart. Hey, Hambo. How you doing, buddy? I'm very good. I'm very happy right now, actually, after the 2-0. You enjoyed today's game? Fantastic. Fantastic. What's the time right now? The time right now is very late. It's quite late, isn't it? And I'm celebrating a Palace victory, and I'm a very happy man. Do you know, I was going to go home, right? And then you you turned up at the fucking pub. With my two friends. Yeah, and I can't go home now. And with proper <laughs> eagles, right? I can't, I can't go home. These are our two friends from Norway. We've got... Norway eagles. We've got two genuine Norwegian eagles. Norwegian tattoos. With Norwegian tattoos. Palace. You can't can't see tattoos on a radio show. No, but it's... uh, You're an idiot, Mark. I hate you. Now, um, guys, can I get your names? What's your name? Lars. Lars and... Carlos. Carlos! It's Carlos! Carlos is guns. He's like Angel and Adele. Oh, Carlos. Jesus. Carlos is built. I'm not going to offend him. Marvellous palace. So, guys. Oh, that's fantastic. The current palace badge, let's say. Fantastic stuff. Now, guys, you've come a long way to see Palace today. He saw a great win. And you saw Jonathan Parr play a great game. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit, bit about Jonathan Parr, where he's come from, you know, what kind of a player he is? He's from uh, Arsenal and he's a, a big player in Norway. Yeah. You know, the, the manager for a national team said he's the future from Norway. Yeah. The future Jonathan Yes, future Jonathan Reis. Yeah, yeah. After Jonathan Reis, you know, Reis. Yeah. He is the to take the place after him in the national team. He's, a, he's a big future. Now we, we've seen him play. He's fast. He's played uh, uh, right back, right full back. He's played right midfield. He's played left midfield. Today we saw him score a headed goal from the, the penalty area. Can he play anywhere? Yeah, actually, but. Uh, the main place for him is uh, right, uh, is left back. Okay, he's yeah. a left back player. Le- 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 left left or middle. Wing. Oh, <laughs> middle wing, yeah. Oh, he's been playing on the wing as well, yeah. 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 And, uh, I mean, in terms of crossing, I mean, I, I, remember, I, I watched a Norwegian game before he joined. I think he'd, he'd agreed to join us and uh, he had to play two more games for his club. Um, I saw him play uh, left wing and get some crosses in, but some Norwegian fans were saying his crossing's not. Uh, not Consistent, do you know what I mean? He's not not good crossing all the time. That's bollocks. Yeah, that's bollocks. bollocks. Excellent. He's <laughs> a perfect, perfect English. Yeah. Perfect so, player. So uh, I mean, you, you talked earlier, I think, to, to the guys about Everson being involved and getting him over here. Do you yeah. Know? Because he told the Norwegian uh, press, yeah. the Norwegian newspaper, that uh, Everson uh, said Palace is a very good club mm. to come to. And that's so, basically why we got him, because yeah. Stefan's here. Yeah. Obviously, because Steph- because uh, Queen's Park and the Swansea, yeah. all the, they want him. Because Ste- he is, uh, Stefan's uh, old, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. his old palace, very good. But, but we, um, obviously, he's injured at the moment, Stefan, but yeah. he, um, he, in his debut he scored a goal for us, like first game he played for us, brilliant header, um, love to see him back. Do, uh, I mean, I, obviously he's getting on a bit, he's getting old, Stefan, but um, do, you think think he, do you think he's still got enough to, uh, yeah. to be playing regularly? Yeah. 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 No, not regularly, but maybe come in in the 75 minutes or something I in think, the last... I think probably uh, most two years. Yeah. Yeah, two, two years and, uh, and it's gone. But yeah. for two years, 
He's there. Yeah, you can't, it's an experience. He's just yeah. such a good. I mean, every time we've seen yeah, him, really he's a character. Yeah, yeah. He has exactly. Influence on the team. I mean, you can see it when he when he plays for us. It's just his mind is just yeah. so much further on than everyone else. Yeah. You can hit a long ball up to him, and he doesn't just head it on to no one. More. He'll get it down, and he'll play yeah. it, and he'll bring people in. So yeah, we love Stefan Everson here. Yeah, he knows um, what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, very expensive. Yeah. Mark, what I was going to say was uh, that. Uh, Obviously, Donovan Pard chose Palace, yeah. but he had other offers, didn't he? Yeah. And they were from, from who? Well. Uh, yeah. He had an offer from uh, Brøndby in Denmark. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 With uh, double wages. Yeah. He could. Come in with you really? so you but he wants to play so for long, Palace. So long yeah. Because he get the uh, playing time. Yeah. And uh, Everson told him. It's a very good club. So basically, Everson Everson sold the sold Palace to to yeah. Jonathan Parr. He told yeah. him it's a good club because yeah. he's 22, isn't he, Jonathan yeah. Parr? Yeah. Only so, 22. And at Palace, we like to think of as a club of, of you know put, putting forward younger players yeah. and, and giving them game time and yeah. uh, and producing good youngsters yeah. and with a good academy. Yeah. So obviously. Uh, you know, he's come in and he's had, he, although he lost last week, he had a good game in general yeah. and I think most Palace fans agree with that and yeah. today he was uh, superb uh, yeah. and uh, I think when uh, Moxie comes back uh, at left back and he plays in front he of will Moxie, play left wing, yeah. uh, the two of them both left with the players to be the perfect. Big, absolutely, uh, you know, uh, great like partnership. You think so? Yeah. It's going to be perfect, but in my mind, I want to have Par back and Moxie in the midfield. Oh, okay. Right. I think I think they can but change. I think yeah. depending on who, but like one can, can go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Interchange. Uh, yeah, they can they can change in the game. But yeah. okay, it's going to be a very very good left side. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Listen, Lars, thank you so much for talking to us. Much appreciated. And obviously, thank you for f coming so far and being such a good Palace fan. Much appreciated, pal. And uh, Carlos has had to go inside of his drink, unfortunately. But thanks to Carlos as well. Okay, lovely. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers. Bringing you up to date with everything around Selhurst Park every Monday night. This is Homestale Radio. Hi, and uh, welcome back. I hope uh, there was something in there for you to enjoy. So I really enjoyed the chat with the uh, the two Norwegian lads. I thought they um, spoke very well of the club, and uh, that's the kind of committed fan that I, I really do like talking to all the time. Um, listen, if you do want to get in touch with us, it's uh, twitter.com forward slash whole radio. Include at whole radio with your message. Uh, leave us a message on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash whole radio. Uh, you can email us. It's radio at homesdale.net. Or you can give us a call on 0208 123 1646. Hmm. Okay. And uh, what? Well, we are waiting for, for Nick to ring us back, but he's not done so yet. <coughs> Excuse me. Right. Okay. We're going to talk about the Burnley game and uh, we'll go straight into talking about the, the team selection, really. And the sort of the first port of call in there is, um, is the defence. Now, the defence was the, was the area we questioned most um, up at uh, uh, Peterborough. Um, because we had that problem, we had we had three lone players in in a back four, so you know seventy five percent of your back four um, hadn't met really in in any real way before that before that game, and that's where everyone thought, you know, that's where we've lost the game there. And um, and Mark, it was a it was a different story on uh, on Saturday. It was. Um, 
I was, uh, I was, uh, as I said on uh, the pub clip, that I was worried about uh, the setup for the team because of uh, what we'd seen last week. But uh, I thought uh, that ultimately that Tunchev looked a class uh, act uh, himself. But um, uh, I thought obviously the players had, had, had gelled in the week despite not having yeah. a cup game. So they'd obviously trained together in the week and, and that sort of showed on the pitch really. There was a yeah. lot more understanding in the defence. Um, I think that probably that probably helped him having that game cancelled, I think. And I think a lot of people said that at the time, even though it was for um you know, for terrible reasons that the game was off. I think mm-hmm. having that extra bit of time to work together. <clears throat> like you say, Tunchev came in for, for Davies. I don't know if it was an injury or not, I haven't haven't checked to be honest with you, but um but he certainly looked more solid as well, do you think? Yeah, I thought I th- I mean there's a lot of uh, Leicester fans have been raving about Tunchev and uh saying what a quality player he is. Um, uh, obviously he's just signed a new deal with Leicester so I don't know That's what the right, chances yeah. of us getting him back uh, for, or getting him for the rest of the season probably quite small but um, as mm. as you said I don't know why I presume it was just a selection choice that Tunchev was picked ahead of Davis yeah. um, don't know any other reason I haven't read anything or seen anything to shed any light on that but I thought I just thought that they gelled well, but in the in the same sense, they weren't put un, up under as much pressure really as um, yeah, that's very fair. as yeah. as the previous week, and Burnley, as most people who were there will know, were pretty poor and didn't yeah. offer much up front. So uh, <laughs> it was probably a good time to put put them together because the Oppo really yeah. weren't weren't up to much going yeah, forward absolutely. anyway. Um, before we sort of move on to the midfield, because that was an area we talked about before the game when we heard the team news, I just want to make uh, a quick mention. Uh, Ryan McGiven seemed to take a lot of the flack during for the Peterborough performance. Um, yeah. But I thought he, I mean, he put in the cross uh, for the for Parr's goal, and, and he got forward very, very well. And, and he, he looked very, very much an assured, much more assured player on the ball. And I think it was nice, nice to see him good in possession. Now, first, first game. Um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a bit of that. Yeah, and also just yeah, just getting a bit of comfortable. It was nice to see him, you know, steam up the pitch to celebrate the second goal as well when when Garvin tucked it away. All those little things, um, you know, they just, they do make a difference. And just yeah, just a bit of time seemed to make all the difference. Now, Aaron, I'm going to talk to you about the, the midfield. Uh, we got told um, sort of quite early on before the game that uh, that Owen Garvin and, and David Wright were starting in the midfield. Uh, mm. There was a uh, there was a reaction at the pub to that news. So uh, before, without knowing. You know, obviously, not like taking the result into account or anything you've read. What would your reaction have been to to have heard that news as your, your centre midfield partnership as Wright and Garvin? Well, looking when I saw the team selection, I kind of thought it, that's a slightly more defensive setup than I would have liked. But now looking at it, it actually worked really well. Garvin was getting stuck in, from what I've read the reports, he was really getting stuck yeah. in there. Wright was doing a defensive business, as we know. I'm just questioning Garvin's place in the team when uh, we have KG back. Where will Garvin be selected? But the the two Mm. pairs seem to work really well. And Garvin pushed up the field and, of course, scored a goal. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he did tuck it away nicely. Um, I mean, Mark, uh, you you witnessed the same thing I did. And I had to to make sure I mentioned on Twitter it wasn't a mistake. Uh, Owen Garvin got booked for a robust challenge. Indeed, indeed, yes. Uh, for all his knockers out there, for that uh, 
that's uh say he doesn't get stuck in the only time he did yeah. get stuck in he got booked for it yeah but i mean uh, <laughs> Maybe that's why. at least he's trying yeah i think oh. uh, the pivotal point though in the midfield to be quite honest yeah. was um it was unfortunate that Ambrose got injured, uh, yeah. but Burnley they were a bit of a niggly side, I thought, and yeah. they were. I've just noticed. I've just noticed what the hell that noise was. I, I, it did sound like you um you had entered a shop of some kind, Mark, while you were speaking. But I've just noticed it's Nick Gusset in the background. Hi, Nick. Hello. How you doing? All right. Yeah, yeah not too bad Steven at all. Now you're. He is. Yeah. So. <laughs> you're um. Yeah, you're unfortunately not listening tonight, but you were. Uh, no, Virgin you, Virgin Media. It's before nine, so I won't say the C bomb. Yeah. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So that's what, that's what your status was about on whole earlier. I was wondering about those two words, bloody virgin. I thought, what the hell has Nick been up to? But okay. yeah. Stuff. That's not right. right. Um, I suppose after um, the first time there would be. Um, <laughs> there, yeah, a couple mean? of things. Oh. I've been in the chat room this evening. I, I can mm. just about get enough. Uh, kilobytes per second to get in the chat room. The conversation tonight in the chat room is the Panis team at the moment are the most handsome team we've had for a long, long time. <laughs> right. <laughs> we've got rid of Dowie. We've got rid of Clint yeah. Hill. Yeah. And they can't think of an ugly player between them. No? There's quite a few in there. Kells Bells, Lewis Schmeagel, he's back. No, he's back. He's on holiday last week. Okay, so we we were worried about him, and he was out sunning himself somewhere. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. It just makes you makes you wonder, doesn't it? But um, yes. I, you know, I don't I don't have any real strong opinions one way or the other on the uh, attractiveness of the team. Uh, but obviously, there's a lot of attention um, from certain people uh, to certain players. I mean, for example, uh, Kells Kells wasn't drinking during the. Uh, during the game, but she still came across as a bit of a stalker to the players, don't you think, Mark? Particularly Sean Scannell, yes. Yeah, yeah, there was a bit of that going on. Um, I did um, nice. tweet you during the game, didn't I? I tweeted you at half-time, didn't I, Chris? You, what was, it, what was that about, the um, the new Crystals kit? That was quite good. Yes, yeah, do you know what? I, they seemed, it's It was nice, wasn't it? it was, it's just a little bit, it's like a step up in class from last year. Um, it is. Yeah, I it didn't, I, I took a while looking at that kit, um, I know it's uh, in the program that you could sponsor them. Mm, could, I wonder if I could sponsor their gussets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nick's not sure. Nick, 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 I've, Nick, did you think any thoughts about the game? I know you were in the in the chat room talking about the how good looking the players are. You talked about the crystals and yeah. the kit and their outfits. And I didn't want to go Saturday. So, any thoughts? Any thoughts yeah. about the match? I didn't want to go, but I'm glad I did. You know, you know how you feel all doom and gloom sometimes. And you think, oh God, this is it, start of another bad season at home. And it was fantastic. I thought it was really think, good. I yeah, think a lot of people. Team, lots of passing. Um, yeah, we made Burnley. Or uh, say a lot of people probably regret the, the decision not to go. Uh, you can kind of understand it from the second half of Peterborough, but yeah. I think I mean I think if you look at our home record, I don't I don't quote me on this, but I think it's something in the region of seventeen games and two defeats at, at home. You yeah, know, it's over a period of time. I think I think you you know under you know under the most recent regimes we've looked strong at home. So uh, you know I don't think yeah. anyone should have any fear about coming to a home game. But um, all right, well, well why, um, Burnley look very very ordinary. I was expecting a lot more from them. Yeah, I think uh, everyone's 
pretty much said that, and the focus has been on on them being poor. But do, do you think perhaps a lot of that was to do with with how we played? They were poor because of us. Yeah, we closed them down. We're not quite up to the Steve Bruceness of closing them down when the ball's in their half so much. I don't know no, if you no. remember what we were like under Bruce, do, but yeah. we were defending from the front. Not well, quite Nick, there yet. Nick, did you think? Yeah. Uh, did you think? Um, I'm glad Eddie Howe's not our boss at any time on Saturday. Um, no, I'm nonplussed by that. That's all water under the bridge, isn't it? Mm. I'd mm. say meh to that. It's just a meh. reflection on the style of their play, you know. Okay, maybe yeah. before we before we let you go, we're gonna uh, you can help us finish our first sort of section, which is talking about the the team selection. Uh, yeah. Can I get your your opinion on the Easter Scannell partnership? Easter did a lot of running off the ball, which made their defence look at him, and Scannell just was like knife through butter, wasn't he? Yeah. Knife through butter that has been sitting in the sun for an hour. Um, <laughs> I'd like to see Murray in Scannell. <clears throat> I'd like to see yeah. Murray in Scannell, and um, I think it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be good having Scannell there for Zaha because it's taken the spotlight off Zaha a bit. And yeah, if he yeah. wants to be Mister Big I Am in the limelight, he's going to have to pull his socks up a bit. So yeah. There's a couple of times I thought he should have just whacked the ball in the middle when he yeah. came on. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that. I think we had to cut most of this uh, out of our. Um our diary discussion because it was already long enough as it was but I've always said uh, Zahar I mean again and this is from speaking to him at the, the player of the year he said the same thing himself he's a, he's a, he's a striker right I mean same that Scannell's had really playing out wide wants to play in the middle but yeah. Zahar's spent his youth career you know pretty much as, uh, you know wanting to be the guy who's on the end of things you know finishing so he's mm. never really got the head up and looked across the box or anything like that and he's, he's got to learn that quick but like you say Scannell's um, I think there's two two things probably to look at on that as you said sort of Scannell will take some of the um, the, the acclaim from Zahar as well but at the same time yeah. he might also take some of the opposition's attention because I, I can yeah. tell you right now I don't think for a second the two the two teams we played Peterborough and Burnley would have would have expected to see that Sean Scannell play like that because yeah. you know you do your homework on him. He's not done that consistently. You know, he's just started the season, well, and pre-season to be fair to him, and the end of last season. He started that yeah. extremely strongly, and I think that he's he's going to be a surprise package. And once people start countering yeah. that, you'll see more space. I was impressed by the defence as well. They look like they've been playing together a long time. I mean, there was one really ropey moment, but that was um, KG just in the middle of our half passing the ball to one of them. Sort of, mm. here you are, have a go. Um, but the defence played well together. It, I mean, I was impressed that we got them offside so many times within the first five or ten minutes. And that's yeah, yeah. a sign of people playing together well. Looked like they've been playing for a long time together. Right. Well, yep. Yeah. And last last bit, um, to give a bit of balance, was there anything that disappointed you about the day, either on or off the pitch? Um, no, not really. Not really. No, I thought it was good. That's fine, it was good. it's fine. Um, I think the crystal top could have been slightly smaller. <laughs> yeah, slightly. Well, smaller. They removed them half halfway. I don't know. Uh, let's not go down that road. We'll um, it's another show. Just, uh, yeah, it's oh, a different I, show. you might be able to help me out because I haven't got internet. I don't know how I'm doing in the Homesdale Texaco League. Oh, do you not? We looked earlier. Not great, mate. Right, just not great. You're doing you're doing slightly better than me, but not by much. Most of the presenters, other than Mark and Fur. Yeah. Uh, and Mikey to a point. Most of us are um, languishing in the lower reaches, I'm afraid. 
But uh, it's a long old season, 44 games left. Do you know, yeah. if they counted the Carling Cup as well, Jay Rodriguez scored four goals in one game. That would have been good. Still, yeah. never mind, eh? Yeah. I'm going to take another game. Anyway, yeah, we'll let you get on. And, uh, and uh, yeah, thanks for calling in. And you're, you're, on, you're on again soon as a presenter anyway. So we'll, uh, if the internet gets up and running... Yeah, well, let's hope so. I think Albert's had that problem today, which is uh, which Aaron's kindly stepped in for us. But all right, mate. Well, thanks for calling in, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, take care. Hello, Cheers, Aaron. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think. Uh, well, let's let's go and talk about the the first half because we, we talked a little bit about whether it was going to be a bit of deja vu. Um, you know, going one nil up, played okay. You know, played pretty well, and. Um, we're all talking. Will we, are we going to get? Are we going to get the second half like Peter? Are we going to come out? Is Dugging and do the thing that everyone says he does and tell us to sit back? Even though there's probably arguments to suggest that the opposition have a bit to do with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, what did you think, Mark? Halftime, were you, were you optimistic? Um, to be honest, I was. Um, I was. I felt sort of a bit apprehensive because we were in exactly the same position as the previous week. And uh, I thought, uh, you know, like like you're saying, how is Dewey going to, you know, set up the side for the second half? Is he going to go for another goal or is he going to sit back on the lead and so forth? Same as everybody else probably was thinking. Uh, but obviously, um, uh, we controlled the game a lot better um, from the beginning of the second half. And apart from a fantastic save by Speroni from a Rodriguez header, I think that um, that uh, um, we were largely untroubled throughout most of the oh, game. Oh right, yeah, well, you've covered the next bit really, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a fair point actually, mate. Um, I think um, obviously, uh, yeah. I mean, Aaron, you you know, you probably want to chip in here. How did how did you sort of feel, uh, list from from listening, shall we say, about about <laughs> you know the, the the point we're going one nil up? I was I was ecstatic from the point going one nil up. I thought ten minutes. It sounds like we're dominating play. From the reports on Sky Sports, we're absolutely caning him. So I thought, you know, when it went into half-time, I thought, Doogie's he's got to definitely come out in the second half and push for it. And by the sounds of things, he did. And at home, that's the kind of thing you've got to do, continue to go forward away. It's, I don't know, it's just something slightly different in his mind, saying, this will do, that'll do. It's kind of strange. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, uh, quick game to Paul, he said, um, said that the... That Burnley played like we play away, and there's a bit, of, definitely a bit of that going on. They played with one up yeah. top, and they, and that, 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 if anything, just gave us that little bit of edge because obviously Peterborough being at home last week, uh, sorry, the week, I don't know when it was, whenever the hell that was, uh, they, um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, they, they had to do something. They're in front of their fans. They had to come back into that game, and we, we could not cope. But you know, this was our, you know, our ground, our turf, uh, yeah. and we didn't. We didn't. I mean, I know I did read one person. I think one person out of everyone who, who reported back from you know from the game said that he felt we sat back in the second half, and that they did have a spell of possession. I think I think it's fair to say. But I mean, to sort of sum up on the, on that second half, really, and try and skip through this as quick as we can. Um, you know, the, the the tactics were bang on. We had with Ambrose go off with an injury. Now, Mark, you spoke to Darren um, yeah. after the game. If you want to just give us a quick outline on that, and I'll come back to it. Yeah, no, basically I asked him how he was and uh, he said it was the same knee that uh, troubled him last season, uh, but it wasn't quite as painful. He was having a scan on Sunday. I don't know what the outcome of that scan was, 
but uh, he said that he was disappointed that uh, he had to come off, and he seemed a little bit down that you know he he injured the same uh, uh, knee that uh, troubled him for so long last season. Yeah. But he said that he wasn't in quite as much pain, and he was hoping that it was more sort of a superficial injury than anything more serious. But um, you know, he was uh, you know. You know, obviously he had to wait and see the result yeah. of the scan. He was uh, he was very disappointed to come off and and you know to be injured again, wasn't he? You could see it, see it on his face, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think he sort of knows he's not playing great as well at the moment. So uh, it's, I think he's a bit frustrated by the fact that he's not he's not playing great at the moment, and uh, yeah. and now he's just picked up this niggle, which hopefully that's all it is. But uh, yeah. I don't think he'll make, I don't think he'll make Tuesday from what he was saying, and um, but uh, I think he might be definitely in. In the uh, in the squad for uh, the weekend game. <coughs> yeah, let's hope yeah. so. Uh, Men- mentally, must be quite a blow, shouldn't it? Mentally oh yeah, wise, God, yeah, yeah. I got another niggle. Oh God. Hopefully, he'll go over it. Be back soon. Well, I think. I think. I mean, what he said. What he said was he thought if he'd, he'd been able to have a you know half time come at the wrong time for him. If he'd been able to run off, then you know. Yeah, he said it like stiffened up, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. But, but I so think was, uh, if you if you want to look look on the uh, positive side, I, I mean, it's not no one wants to see uh, any of our players go off injured. But I think that uh, he wasn't playing particularly well. He probably would admit. No, that no, himself. that's that's but, basically where I was going with that, Mark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, go on then. No, I was going to say it was a blessing KG, in disguise. KG. Yeah, it was a kind of blessing in disguise because, uh, yeah. as I think you were about to say, that. Uh, uh, it sort of shored up the midfield, KG coming on and Ambrose going off because obviously uh, we were a bit more solid in the middle, literally. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, although he had to go off, I think that you know it was uh, perfect timing. I um I tell you what I watched watching back on the highlights because it's some you know it's nice especially without the you know the boozing system it's nice to have another look at things and um I think uh, I think I saw there was just a few little bits from Ambrose that said look you know he's actually he's getting back he's coming back to it he had a little few dribbles out there on the right uh, you know cutting in the shots weren't great but he was he was looking to get a shot on target I think he hit three or four uh, and considering how early how early he took that knock you know you can see the attitudes there to get back to the player he was and I think he will get there and, and a lot of people do talk about we've said this before they say oh you shouldn't play him out wide and he spent his entire career playing out wide it's it's bizarre he has, he needs to be further forward he doesn't he's not an orthodox winger but this this whole idea that he's going to sit in the centre and, and be a central midfielder or, or whatever is just it's not going to happen yeah. but, but I, I think, think he's, he's, he's he, but you know I think he's I think Doogie's sort of has put him into this sort of category as undroppable you know which is you know I, I uh, know. You, a bit unfair on him and that you know it, it, <clears throat> it is yeah and you kind of in some ways you'd like to see him take a bit of time and play himself back into form you know away from the, from the first team environment in some ways but you know what you know what it is with him you know he, he hits a good set piece um and he takes shots he's not and that's a big thing for us because so few players over the years that we've had there's how many times we scream and shoot because people don't they just take one extra pass or one extra touch and he's one of those if there's an opportunity to hit the ball he hits it uh, anyway look we can talk all I mean, year about ambrose let's try and uh, move this on slightly um well we've got something to talk about in how much we read into one game i think what we'll just talk about there is the um going to use a big word the juxtaposition of losing a game and being depressed but also we win in this game and everyone's upbeat and it's how 
last week everyone well the more positive people last week said don't read too much into one game should Aaron mm. the same be true this week of not reading too much into one home game no, I don't think so not at home because judging at the end of last season home form was extremely good and I think it will carry on to this season I think at home we can expect to get at least a point against you know the bigger teams like Birmingham, West Ham, etc. But uh, reading too much into the away games, I think you can in a way because it's it's a niggle we haven't got over yet. Even in pre-season, we struggle to get over the fact we haven't won away in donkeys' ages. But I think we'll get there eventually. Mark, I was going to come to you about that. It, yeah. do, do you feel it's getting more more to do with a mental thing now away from home than it is than it is anything else? Well, I think that you've got you can't deny. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. No, that there must be um, that aspect of it must come into it, but I just think it's the whole way that we set up when we go away from home, and we're you know we're too negative, and we played like uh, at Peterborough, we played like we played away from home all last season, and yeah. I, you know if you're going to play negative, it's going to be tough to grind out any sorts of results, and uh, I thought you know beginning of the season, new start, fresh start, and you know we sort of go out and sort of you know really attack even yeah. away from home or, or at least try and sort of do it on the break but uh, that all uh, sorry uh, sorry Aaron can you repeat yourself mate so we should take the tactics we use at home and try it away see what happens go yeah, I mean, away it's, yeah, I know what you mean. It's an easy thing to say, though, isn't it? It's, it's sometimes yeah. harder to do. But um, I, th- I you mean, don't we'll, get we'll go. Do you? You, you don't. don't you don't. And it's there's that we have got a fantastic crowd. So what what I would say, in that, and particularly away, um, and I would say, you very rarely do the players get a situation where they won't feel that they've got the support away from home. But at the same no. time, and it's happened before in our past, uh, having quality away support sometimes brings some pressure with it. You know what I mean? They look up and they see all these people who've travelled that way, and they think, "Oh, blood! You know, we've we've got to do something here." You know, and it's just that it's some for some players, it's an extra little bit of pressure, I think. Um, mm. So anyway, look, let's 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 steam on a bit further, and we'll, we'll we'll probably talk about one of the options for for addressing away form at the end there. Um, we wanted to talk about what the big difference is, is in terms of the team not sitting back, but I think we've covered that in that it's you know it's it's more that the that, that we're playing at home. Um, rather than potentially Dougie Friedman addressing a problem as such. Um, and we also addressed, really, were we good or were they bad? Um, and it's it's a bit of both, obviously. But but essentially, 
it's it's one of those things where it depends on you. You know, you can have either perspective and probably be right. Ooh, the better uh, but you wanted to quickly mention the um, the tactics of uh, Burnley, Mark. Well, I, I mean, obviously it's early season and uh, I haven't seen anything of Burnley before uh, the season started, obviously due to the fact it's still August. But uh, Eddie Howe's their new boss and... Uh, you know, he was potentially lined up for the Crystal Palace job. Uh, I didn't think Burnley were very impressive. Um, Rodriguez looked quite sharp up front. But uh, on the whole, they were quite negative. And uh, I think we just bossed the game and they didn't really know what to do. And they was a bit niggly and a bit dirty. And I even when I was talking to Darren Ambrose afterwards, that came up in conversation about, you know, how they were sort of putting in leaving a leg in after the ball had gone away and they did uh garvin they did par they did ambrose so you know they all kind of potentially could have could have been out for uh some time but uh yeah. luckily it was uh, luckily ambrose just picked up a minor knock but i, I didn't I, I thought they were poor and i think that um uh we took advantage of that and uh they make. actually probably made us look good but um we definitely outplayed them. We deserved the win. The crowd were, wasn't big, but they certainly yeah. um, gave their support vocally, and uh, as they do all the time. And uh, you know, I was happy that we won. And I think that you know everybody in the side played their part in the win, and uh, it was yeah. it was a good performance, particularly oh, mate, after what we witnessed the week before. That's a, that's a good summary, and we'll, we'll leave our review there. Just want to pick up on a couple of emails we've got. Um, I'm not sure how to to read that name it's a joke name but i'm not sure how to read it but basically it just says hi guys good show uh, hope all the knobs calling for freeman's head feel suitably embarrassed palace fans aren't careful we're going to end up like spurs fans you know it's a it's a good general point um there was a lot of hysteria early on and as much as it's it's important to to make sure criticism is heard and it's important to people to make their feelings known uh, i think that but from both sides of it, and we've talked about it before, both sides of it, from being from being negative or positive about results, it is important to to maintain a sense of perspective. And certainly, I think um, the game against Burnley proved proved a lot of things uh, that people were saying to be uh, be untrue. And the last one's from uh, Dale. Um, he says he's so glad glad Garvin played well. He's the only player in our squad that can play nice little balls to our nippy strikers. Can't wait to see Scannell get on the end of Garvin's little balls. Like <laughs> it. <laughs> I was also glad to see Ambrose play well in the first first forty five minutes, having a winger that doesn't always want to hit the byline, but enjoys coming inside his man and firing a shot. Fantastic stuff. Thanks for that, Dale, with your uh, your homoerotic email. There is um, there's some actually some good points in there, despite the uh, the deliberate homoeroticism. But well done. I, uh, I enjoyed that. We won't talk about that. We've we've covered the game, so we'll, we will just move on. Uh, Coventry preview. Um, we were going to have a fan contact from Coventry on, but I mean, even if he, we had been able to get hold of him, I think he would have gone home by now. Um, we're going to talk to uh, going to talk to Mark. Can you uh, give us a very brief outline of Coventry as a club? Well, in 105 years or 125 years, very briefly. yeah. I mean, like just say right. Coventry, a yeah. club in the Midlands. <laughs> Of a rubbish ground and all that. <laughs> as brief as you can, oh, we're just, about uh, 15 minutes over. Uh, well, Coventry, otherwise known as Sky Blues, owing to their traditional colour, the strip were originally founded in 1883 and first known hey. 
by the name singers. Ten years later, they turned professional. I'll pick up a couple of points. <laughs> that, that, um, yeah, that uh, in '87 they won the FA Cup, beating Spurs 3-2. In the mm-hmm. final, after extra time, I think memory serves you right. It was quite a good game. Um, it was, yeah, yeah. Uh, in 1993, striker Mickey Quinn joined the Sky Blues, Three. despite being more than slightly overweight. He Quinn was, was an huge. idol for thousands of football <laughs> fans, giving rise to the chant: "He's fat, he's round, he scores in every ground." Mickey Quinn. <laughs> I thought that's rather interesting. That's a good yeah, and uh, then before the final match of the 2003-04 season manager, Eric Black, a well-liked and popular figure with the Coventry fans, was replaced by mm. former Sunderland manager Peter Reid. As a protest against the decision and as a gesture of support for Black, thousands of fans arranged to turn up to the final game of the season against Crystal Palace dressed in black mm. clothing. Peter Reid yeah. lasted eight months before the club's dismal league form led to his departure. Also, uh, there is, uh, interestingly... Mark. On the 13th of Jan 2005, the club caused controversy among their fans when it announced that the traditional badge would, would be replaced with an updated, more modern version. Oh, I've heard that before. Bad reaction was swift <laughs> and oh, negative, and under pressure from supporters groups, the club cancelled plans to change the, change the crest. And finally, finally, mm-hmm. uh, in... Um, uh, uh, they almost went into administration in 2007 and they were yep. saved with half an hour to spare. They've had uh, former Crystal Palace favourite Chris Coleman as their manager uh, a few yep. years back and currently they have another former Palace player in charge in Andy Thorne. That's yep. it. Legend. Brief. <coughs> well done, mate. Thanks for that. Very, very quickly, Aaron, uh, their form so far this season. Yep. Uh, just to say, it's quite strange having Coventry not starting well because they often do. Um, their first uh, league two game, uh, two league games. Sorry, uh, they lost one nil to Leicester on the first day, and then they went to Birmingham and lost one nil. And let's mm. not forget that embarrassing three-one defeat to Bury away in the League Cup. At least they got a goal, eh? Um, right. Yeah, so yeah, no no league goals. So um, uh, well, I think we're looking good for a one nil win tomorrow night, lads. Uh, just on their, their sort of danger men uh, from the highlights against the against Birmingham, Gary McSheffrey, everything went through him. Um, Pretty much going to be their, their major threat. They lost Marlon King, but they've uh, got Roy O'Donovan now. He was at Sunderland, I believe. Um, and uh, Danger Man, sort of like, uh, should we say, uh, controlling midfield is Sammy Klingon, uh, ex-Wolves, I think he is. He's a very, very good player in sort of in the, somewhere between Garvin and Watson, I'd say. But uh, those, are, those are the Danger Men that I've picked out. And we'll go straight on to... I want to introduce this in a, uh, to make it clear you understand that we know that this next clip is just an utter car crash. Uh, but it made us laugh so much that we're just going to have to play it to you. It's our News in Brief. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. <coughs> Don't keep that in. On Tuesday night, as a result of the not-so-civil disturbance in London, and in, oh, that doesn't make any f-ing sense, does it? On Tuesday night, as a result of the not-so-civil disturbance in London, Palace's Carling Cup tie against Crawley Town was postponed at the request of the police. The tie will now be played on Tuesday the 23rd of August, kick-off at 7.30pm. All tickets purchased for the original date will be valid for the rearranged fixture. Everyone at Whole Radio would like to say a big fuck you to all those people whose selfish actions meant many people have been left homeless, injured, without a business, or even dead, let alone without a football match to watch. We hope all our listeners and their friends and family got through these events safely and extend our deepest sympathies to those who have been affected. Mark, over to you. 
Thanks, Chris. Palace have had two further call-ups to international squads this week. Douglas Wright has been called up to the Scotland Youth Squad and... Is your brain just shut down, Mark? What the hell? Reese Alessani has been called into the England under-16s. Meanwhile, goalkeeper Tom King is on standby for the under-17 England squad, and they have an FA under-17 tournament coming up shortly, which also includes Ryan Innes in the squad. Over to you, Aaron. Darren Ambrose picked up an injury during the Burnley game after a late challenge early in the first half. Darren played out the remainder of the first half, but his knee stiffened during, to, during the half-time break, and he was unable to run it off. The injury is on the same knee he injured last season, although Darren himself felt it's not too bad. A scan was due to take place yesterday, and we await results. News in brave, brave, brave. Under long outro as well. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, Very I, I, your, your complete and utter brain freeze, marks just absolutely kills me every time. I really can't listen to that. Um, anyway, look. Um, on Saturday, we're um, we're travelling up to the KC Stadium to play Hull. Um, yeah, I mean, Hull spent most of their modern history in in the lower leagues, and uh, they nearly went out of existence in the, the late 90s and the first season of the 2000s. Uh, they were rescued by uh, Adam Pearson, who's also back at the club now, I think. Um, their, sort of their, their best spell has been uh, under Peter Taylor. He propelled them very much up the leagues um, before coming and, and joining Palace um, when we lost... Uh, who the hell did we lose when Peter Taylor came in? A manager, anyway. It's been such a long time. Uh, but up. yes, yeah, no, it was when Dowie went to Charlton, wasn't it? Yeah, so and we ended up getting Taylor to come in for us. Anyway, yeah, so um, yeah, Phil Brown took over there eventually, and um, I think Dowie actually went there at some point as well. But anyway, yeah, so Phil Brown took over, got them up to the Premier League, and pretty much they're still paying the cost financially for for taking some huge risks on on some players, really. And they're paying so, for his spray tans, aren't they? <laughs> I don't think they probably are, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's they're an example of a team that uh, they I mean. I think they they managed to get from the lo- lowest division to the top division in five years, um, which is I think third quickest ever. I remember reading earlier, and uh, I mean that's pretty pretty impressive stuff. But the financial constraints on on a club that's going from you know, especially in a rugby town, we've seen it with Wigan to a point. If they didn't have uh, Dave Whelan, they'd be in real trouble. But yeah, I mean that's that's the gist of whole. They're they're still they're still a big team because they're still Spent a couple of seasons uh, in the, in the Premier League. They've still got some big name players on big wages, and they, and they've looked quite dangerous. And Mark, you're going to tell us about their form. Yeah, well, uh, Hull actually had a good pre-season uh, results-wise. They played six-one-six, including a three-nil win over Liverpool in front of twenty-one thousand fans. Uh, last season, Hull finished eleventh in the Championship, ten points off the playoff spots. So far this season, opening game this season, they lost at home one-nil to Blackpool. Uh, relegated, of course, from the Premier League last season. They lost in the Carling mm. Cup at home again to Macclesfield, uh, but they came up with uh, a surprise, a coupon-busting 1-0 win at Ipswich, <laughs> a Matty Fry <laughs> goal. Busting. It was, indeed, because I had yeah. Ipswich down for a home win, so Hull won uh, uh, on the Saturday. Yeah, it certainly mm. was. Matty Fry was a goal scorer, I think, ex-Leicester, if my memory serves me right. I so, uh, So they've one one lost one. Okay, good stuff, mate. Aaron, you're going to take us through their danger men before we end. Uh, Most on the certainly. Yeah. Oh. 
Um, concerning the players up front, Matty Fry, as Matt just mentioned, uh, he's scored 10 goals in 24 appearances for Hull. Uh, the most recent goal came on Saturday against Ipswich, as Mark described as a coupon buster. Unlucky, mate. Um, looking at the back four, players that stand out amongst the rest, uh, you got Liam Ross Sr. Uh, just an interesting fact about him, he was viewed as a promising midfielder before he was converted into a defender. Who knew that? Um, mm. However, I still see him as a threat going forward by making attacking runs because he has got a fair bit of pace. Yep. And finally, we come to Robert Corrin, uh, who is in the, the heart of the whole midfield, to be honest. Uh, he's the man who takes control of an Ambrose-like figure. Uh, he's, an, he's an experienced in the role and still possesses a goal threat. So you might want to look out for him. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, mate. Was that was that the end of your player? Oh, me now. You should uh, you should have some sort of finality in your voice to hand over to me. I blame you for that. I was just because I was reading something else at the time. Um. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. Cheers, boys. Um. Well, yeah. Obviously, you know, two key games coming up really, and hopefully, two more wins for the Palace. Um. We've now coming up. We have our uh, nostalgia feature with uh, with Rob Quinn. Um. So well worth listening to. Uh, Rob Rob goes into some detail about his time at the club. Uh, so just pin back those ears and listen in now. Nostalgia feature. Sure. 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 Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio's uh, nostalgia feature, which is being hosted by Mark Ross uh, because he is the oldest one of us. And uh, and I will be helping Mark with uh, with this interview. The interview is with uh, former player Rob Quinn, um, who I'm sure many of you will remember. Some of the younger ones won't, obviously, but uh, there's plenty of old people like us who, who remember Rob from his time here, uh, where he went on to Brentford and various other teams, which we'll come to in a little bit. Nostalgia feature. Hi there, Rob. Hi, Mark. How are you? Good. I'm good. And you? Yeah, it's fine, thank you. Fine, thank Great. You. Thanks. Thanks for your time. And uh, I'm going to start off by asking you about um, the early part of your career. You became yeah. you uh, you began your career coming through the the youth ranks at Palace. Uh, yeah. I believe you were made the captain of the youth team as well at some stage before you broke yeah. into the Palace first team. Uh, yeah. Dave Bassett was the boss when you broke through in 1996. Uh, what I was going to ask you is, uh, at what age did you join Palace, and what was the experience like working your way through from the youth level to the first team? Yeah, uh, I joined Palace when I was 14, 14 years of age. I just didn't get a contract or didn't get a schoolboy form as it was back then at Arsenal. And um, the Sunday team I played for, my manager to come to come and play a trial game for Palace straight away. I played up front in them days and I scored scored four in, up front in this trial game and Steve Copper was watching. Um, I didn't have to get offered schoolboy forms after that. Um was really keen to join it, like the setup straight away at Palace. Um, yeah, got into the youth team, played got the white time with YTS forms with Dave Garland when he was manager. I'm sure you remember remember Dave and yeah, um, yeah. involved in our days at Croydon. Um, played with him for a year, then Peter Nicholas took over in the second year. And um, I really kicked on yeah, in the second year. I scored 18 goals <clears throat> from centre mid in the second year, and that's what got me. Uh, I got offered a pro contract towards the end of that second year. Um, 
in about a March time, got called in the office by Alan Smith um, and offered me a pro contract, which obviously is what everyone wanted to get and everyone still does want to get nowadays. And we were delighted to get that and that sent me off really at Palace, yeah. I was was captain, we won the league both years in the youth team. Yeah, as, as it is now really, Palace are very strong, always got a good tradition of strong youth teams and we yeah, we won the league both years. Um, yeah, that kicked, kicked off my career, really, that. Was that in the sort of South southeast Counties League in those South, days? Yeah, it was the Southeast Counties then, yeah. We, we, the only disappointing thing was we didn't have a good run in the FA Youth Cup. We, I remember we lost to Chelsea. Um, no, sorry, West Ham. West Ham and that Plough Lane. <laughs> That's how far back it was. It's on Plough Lane. Yeah. It was a very nice, very nice pitch. And um, <laughs> yeah, we lost to West Ham. So Rio was playing. I think Frank Lampard were playing. So they weren't a bad team, but right. it was a bit frustrating. Um, I'm right. just going to chip, chip in there, actually, Rob. Um, you yeah. said you started life as a as a striker and got a lot of goals from midfield. What happened? What when did yeah, you move back? Tell me about it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to know as well. I think I had that in the peak. I hit a peak at 18. I think, and everything <laughs> went downhill from then on. Yeah, I hit about a three to take penalties as well. I thought about oh, yeah. nine penalties, scored 18 goals, and then from then on, that was it, the slippery slope. <laughs> and then, yeah, I should have retired at 18, really, and I got me prize. <laughs> that was on the head. <laughs> uh, you got further than most people by then. Okay, yeah. I'll hand back to you, Mark. Sorry. Cheers. Yeah. Uh, Rob, um, we've got quite a few younger listeners uh, yeah. who uh, tune into the show. For those people who are sort of too young to remember your time at Paris, can yeah. you describe to them the sort of player that you were? Love to say a goal scoring midfielder. Love, <laughs> yeah. to, love to say that, but no. Um, yeah, I was. I was a competitive player. I think the best way to describe it. I was not a flair player. I was um, competitive. Loved, loved tackling. Loved heading. Loved the physical nature of, of playing football and getting it, winning it, and giving it to better players. Really, mm. uh, the better players in the team who could do more things with the ball. No, no shame in saying that because I think every team needs different personalities, different people with different strengths, and my strength was winning it, uh, competing, giving it to the people who could do the real damage with it. And I ended up playing at Palace, played a lot at centre-half as well, and I did that in when I broke into the reserve. That's when I really started playing at the back. Because um, we used to play three at the back back then. And um ended up, yeah, that's how I, I started playing centre-half, because I enjoyed that as well, and you get to see a lot of the game. But mainly, yeah, I was strong, strong in the tackle, strong in the air, quite strong because I wasn't the biggest uh, physically, but I was quite strong, um, and I probably, that's what stood me in good stead really throughout my career, just knowing what I was good at and doing that quite well. So you said, so, um, Rob, you said that you played, like, obviously quite a bit in midfield and, and yeah. a few games in defence, was that... Yeah. Were you, you know, were you forced to sort of, you know, take a, not, a position there, or was that, were you advised really, well, to, yeah. or... In the youth team, I was sitting in the mid, and then I think probably suited me to play at the back in a three, because mm. I think if you can play centre midfield, you should be able to play centre-half anyway, as I'm telling my young players now, because you get to see mm. a lot of the game. If you, if you can get on the ball, you can... And if you're not the quickest as well sometimes, you can get the ball and and use it well and back then as I said we played three at the back so we had the extra insurance and we were encouraged to get the ball out and pass it from the back which we did and we had success playing that system especially um, 
when we played like Andy Roberts and I played with Andy Roberts, Dave Tuttle yeah. and Mark Edworthy and Muscat. We started off that season and we had that formation. We had a, I watched a video from him the other day, Doug went out the loft and the first half team for years and years and we had such a young team. Didn't yeah. realise how young our team was and we had a lot of success like that. Yeah, absolutely. Some big lads, some hard lads in that, in that back four. Yeah, Tuttle was, Tuttle was a big boy, like, and, um, very stupid. Very stupid. <laughs> he played on that sometimes, but he weren't that stupid, but he was acted before a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was, um, he was a good lad. And there's some, yeah, there's some tough players, like David Hopkin in there. Um, mm. he didn't take any prisoners. So, so it was, uh, Dave Tuttle, the sort of, uh, the Joker in the dressing room. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a bit. A lot of us said all the older lads were young there as well. Quite. I was obviously one of the young, the youngest one. But all of them were young. Andy Roberts, Dougie. Dougie was only a year or two older than me. Um, mm. Mark Edwards, Simon Bodger. It was yeah. It was a really good team spirit back then. Yeah. All right. I was going to uh, move on, uh, Rob, to um, basically when when you broke into the first team. Yeah. Uh, Dave Bassett took over from Steve Coppel. I think he was in his second spell with the Eagles at the time. One of many. Bassett took over in February '96, and yeah. you made your first team debut. I think in the last game of the '96 season at home to Norwich. Is that right? Yeah. 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 That's correct. And I then. Think... Go on. Sorry. Yeah. No. Go on. No, I don't know what you're going to say. Go on. <laughs> I was just. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that that's that was the season that Palace reached the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was going to say to you, uh, what was Dave Bassett like, basically, to work under? I mean, he was uh, full of bravado in front of the camera, and he yeah. uh, he came out with some cracking one-liners, and he was really sort of uh, Jack the Lad in front yeah. of the camera. But what was he like to, you know, what was he like before a match, during a match, half-time, you know? Was he, was he still as crazy? He's 100 miles an hour. He's 100 miles an hour when you try and listen to him, isn't he? And he's 100 miles an hour when he talks the whole time. He just, no one can really, sometimes you're trying to work out what he's saying because he never has a breath. And I think, but he's infectious like that. He was very, very lively as he is. And um, he got results and that, uh, he might put on that bit of a, yeah, like you said, jokey persona, but he, he was serious when, when he needed to be serious, and he got mm. players in that he knew and trusted, he always did that for his career, and he'd worked with before, but he knew that they'd work for him, and um, yeah, I owe, I owe Dave, obviously, a lot for giving me the chance, and he believed in as well, like he, he didn't care if we were young, as long as you're doing a good job, he stuck us in there, too, so, and he he thought I could do a job when the chance arose and people were injured. And he, he stopped me in there, to be fair. And I'd only played, like he said, I'd only played um, against Norwich when he gave me um, Benny, our, Benny Box or our debuts. And then literally, yeah, the next two weeks, I was playing in front of 73,000 at Wembley. Yeah, I was going to go on and say then, uh, you played the last game of the season, then you went on that season to feature in the two-legged playoff semi-final victory over Charlton. Yeah. And uh, you were in the starting 11 that took the field in the playoff final of 96 at Wembley. Yeah. Obviously, we lost that final to a freak Steve Claridge goal. With, the shin. Yeah, <laughs> which, uh, in the, in the dying luck. seconds. But uh, would you say that was your most memorable game at Palace, despite the fact it ended in a defeat? 
yeah, looking back now, it probably is because a lot of people played a lot of games throughout their career and never got to play at Wembley. And like I said, I yeah. got to play there in the third third game. It was, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, gutted, obviously, the way it ended. I was just on a high anyway to, because I'd played against, and he said, Norwich buzzing to put, make your first team debut. And then to be involved against Cholton, which is obviously local to where I grew up as well, so I had a lot of Cholton fans, and I was... I managed to play the. I come on in the first leg and then started the second leg, and that was still that's still one of my best experiences. Well, winning that game at Fellers and the fans coming onto the pitch and knowing that you're going to Wembley. Well, yeah, I didn't know you obviously you're playing at Wembley, but I knew I was just like, yeah caught up in everything. It was brilliant. Yeah. And then obviously yeah, to go to Wembley, the build up, waiting and waiting and not knowing if you're going to play, then thinking you might be playing. Going to the hotel and yeah, being nervous, get trying to go to sleep before the game, and then you can't go out there. And if you're on that pitch where you watch all your FA Cup finals as a kid, and then you go and play on that pitch, and to last so long and to lose, though we did, was just an absolute sick night. To be honest, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, Rob, a lot, a lot of players talk about when they um, obviously the, the you talked about the nerves before that huge game. Yeah. Is it is it the case that once you get underway that that all disappears, or did that stay with you yeah. in that game? No, yeah, it does a bit because, like you said, you've, you're nervous when you're walking out there and you, before the game, as well when you go into the pitch and you you realise you're going to be on there type of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, literally, I can't remember loads of the game because it just flashes by. As one says, everyone does say that as well. And you can, yeah. It's a long time ago now for me, but <laughs> yeah, when you're on, you're playing football, you forget about you do forget about the fans. To be honest, because you don't yeah. really notice that there's so many people there because you're focused on what you're doing out there. Um, yeah, and I just, all I remember is that ball, that keeper coming on and thinking, oh my God, I've got no energy to hit a ball 12 yards to a penalty spot. <laughs> I'm absolutely knackered. And then he hits it, shins it, as he um, yeah. said, and then watch it go over my head in slow motion. And well, literally now, I just still picture it, just drop into that corner yeah. over Nigel's head, and that was it. Everyone just like couldn't believe it. It's one of the wow. most horrific things I've ever seen in my life. You, yeah. you can, <laughs> I know, it still haunts me because I just think, what if, what if everyone does? Yeah, yeah. of course. But yeah, I felt for Nigel really because yeah. he was, um, yeah, a top top keeper. And, uh, I was going to uh, respected him. Yeah, I was going to say, Rob, the team that you were part of in the mid nineties. There were some great players in there, including the likes, as you said, Dave Hopkins, <laughs> Nigel Martin, Dugas, yeah. you mentioned, Bruce Dyer, yeah. Ray Houghton, Dean Gordon, yeah. Simon Roger. Um, you played along some, alongside some true Palace legends, really, yeah. in your time. Yeah, did. did any any of any sort of one player of that era have an overriding influence over you, career-wise? Someone that you I looked up to in particular? One. Yeah, I don't think there was one. All, all of them had a little bit, I think. Because I said they were all such a good bunch of all lads who got on well. That whole group really got on well. There was the experience when Ray Houghton come in. He was very demanding and he had very high standards. But you look back now and it's just right because he'd been at such good clubs and he was so fit. He, I think he was like 34 or 35 when he came to us. But yeah. he was still, still really fit still quality and training on the pitch and some of us young guys used to think he was a bit moany at that time but <laughs> he, was, he helped us he helped us and you learnt from him from his standards he had all the other lads as I said all matching as well were good players good young players there um, Dave Hopkins had that amazing season the season after 
Yeah. So he was just, his goal scoring was unbelievable. Yeah, Every time sick. he went out, he scored. Um, Andy Roberts was top player, um, I think. Uh, who do we have? Dual Gendar, people like that, who I'd grown up with a bit, playing a couple of times in the youth team, and uh, he was older than me, but playing with um, Simon Roger. As you said, you know, they're all top players, and they all helped us. They all helped us. Really had a lot of time for young lads. He used to help you through when you go away on tour, as did Andy, because I used to travel in with Andy Roberts and Mark Edworthy. They all used to help you. They used to look after, after the young lads um, and make sure that they felt at home when they got through, because you had to prove yourself in training with them, because it was hard. But, yeah, once they knew that you could, you weren't going to let them down type of thing, they looked after you, which is yeah. good. Oh, good stuff. Um... You were at Palace when Lombardo joined, is that right? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what are your memories when it was announced that a so-called Italian football legend was coming to play for South London Club? <laughs> as a fan, as a fan, yeah. it was incredibly exciting, although it was kind of a, almost a mixture of, I don't know, shock and disbelief mm. at the time. But, but uh, what was it like as a as a player at the I time. I think it was for us as well a bit, really. Yeah, old Mission training ground wasn't the most glamorous of surroundings, <laughs> um, to say the least, for those of, those of you who ever went there. It wasn't very glamorous, but, yeah, and then finally you've got, you know, Lombard, actually, yeah, Lombardo turning up for training. But that was when we were going through a bit of a change, you know, because we had Ray Wilkins coming in, and, yeah, yeah big names were coming to Palace then. Um, and I remember his first day, Lombardo did, did some trick in the warm-up, and everyone was just, like, gobsmacked, really. <laughs> and you could see how professional he was. He was very, very professional, and he had a good sense of humour as well, good sense yeah. of humour. And I think he raised the bar, but that was the start of all the, the foreigners really coming into football. We hadn't seen it before I we in that palace too much um, yeah I, it was all good memories from from yeah. him and that time maybe so it was an exciting yeah. time yeah yeah it was just people coming in and obviously when Mark Goldberg took over and we saw him arrive in his limo at Mission Training Ground and get out and everyone was up waiting at the window to see who this new person was. I do remember that, everyone peeking their heads out the window seeing this guy get out of his limo at uh, Mission in the peeing down lane. Yeah, that's, yeah. Quite funny. that's just an, it's another one of those, those what if times, you know. You, you yeah. talk about Claridge's goal, it's the same with that. You think, what if we're just hung on, you know, and kept. Yeah kept to tell Lombardo in the top division that little bit long you know that sort of stuff I mean he went went on and won a, an Italian league championship after leaving us I think he was yeah. it's unbelievable I'm just I'm still in shock now yeah there's, 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 there's a lot of them for Palace we, yeah, what if, and, but <laughs> yeah. I think yeah there's a few wrong decisions made isn't there about going back yeah. that time but oh unbelievable yeah <laughs> um Rob you were talking about all the different players that um you uh, played alongside and grew up with through the youth team. Um, looking back at those players that came through the youth team with you, um, who went on, you know, to do big things? And are there any? Yeah. Is there anyone who you think should have done better but never really made it? Um, well, I, I come through with, with Danny Boxall, as I mentioned before. He, he yeah. played obviously the Palace as well. We were good. We became really good friends uh, at Palace because we come through together. Obviously, we made our debut together. 
<coughs> and Danny uh, was unfortunately got a bad injury when he was just about to go, being called up for the England under 21s when he was at Palace. Mm. And um, obviously we went together and he carried on to Brentford together and Bristol. We followed, we were like Tweedledum and Tweedledee really, we were just follow each other about. But we were very good friends. He was a, and they would have would have played longer at higher if he hadn't had such bad luck with injuries. I know that because he was very talented and very quick. Uh, Steve Thompson was in my youth team. He's still playing in Scotland, and uh, he yeah. contacted me the other day on Facebook actually um, <laughs> to congratulate him on the, on the uh, second Excellent. little boy. Um, Excellent. Sadie Burton played and he had quite uh, played quite a few games for Palace and then yeah. went on. There's a few Irish boys back then. We had a lot of, we used to get a lot of Irish lads uh, over mm. at Palace. Um, Brian Launders and Tony yep. Scully were very talented players. Yeah. Along with Rory Ginty, who played a couple and played into Liverpool in the Prem, but he left and faded out a bit. And Rory was very talented in the in the youth team. He probably didn't didn't quite fulfil what he could have done. Mm. But like I said, yeah, there's a people a couple of years older, like George and. Uh, George Endar and people like that who had very good careers and Glenn Little is one really yeah. in my me and him played centre centre mid together when I was a first year and Glenn was amazing back then mm. uh, great character great character very funny broke his leg when he was at Palace but then he went on to a brilliant career it is for someone who doesn't really look like a footballer <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's one of those who I, you know, I don't. Well, I was still pretty young at the time he came through, but I didn't yeah. didn't realise he was he was one of ours. If you like, when I when yeah. I saw him, yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. Burn, Burnley, yeah. where he was excellent. Yeah, it just, yeah, yeah. And fantastic. And yeah, Steve Coppel liked him. Steve Coppel liked Glenn. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he helped him out. I've got to mention Alan Smith as well. Alan Smith was a big influence for me mm-hmm. at Palace. I he was manager when I was in the youth team, and he. He took me up to Newcastle when, as part of the squad, really, to experience what it was like to travel with them. And uh, when Palace got relegated and they lost at Newcastle, Wade finally turned him down. And, and he was brilliant to me, really. Uh, he mm. gave me my pro contract. And yeah, I, I, I had a lot of time for Alan for giving me that chance. And I was glad to see how it affected him that day when travelling back and everyone was really, really down uh, for, for yeah. getting relegated that year. I got used to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's been a few more. There's been a few more. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You know, uh, you were talking of Steve Coppel. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dave Bassett left Palace in, uh, I think it was March 97, and uh, that's when Steve Coppel returned for his third spell. Yeah, uh, yeah. Would it be fair to say that you were not really part of Steve Coppel's plans and were kind of frozen out of the first team following his arrival? Because you seemed to blossom under under Dave Bassett, then he yeah. let Topple came in, and then you didn't really get much of a look in, from what I remember. Yeah, I wouldn't say frozen out, because I didn't have any problems with Steve. I think he coincided a bit with because Dean Gordon was coming back as well, into fitness, and I was playing in that position, which Dean came back in and played there, and obviously he was more experienced than me, and mm. a bit stronger than I was at that time, maybe. Um, yeah, and I didn't really play as much as I'd like to, obviously. Uh, under Steve, but I haven't got a problem with him because I did um, get on well with him and I asked him for advice when I eventually left. Uh, mm. I was one of the first to go to him for advice because he obviously had been around a lot and I'm on a nice Steve for his advice amongst a couple of the other people there. 
so yeah, just the way it worked out. Um, I look back now, and I do think I still had two and a half years left at Palace, and I left that when Terry Venables just took over. I only had a week with him, so I didn't really get to work under him. I said what it was like at that time. Um, but yeah, I left. But to maybe I think I should have stayed there. But I left to try and play first team football because I had the chance of it at uh, Palace. And that's what I've because it's so young and just want to continue playing. You don't really want to go back to playing reserve football. Mm. Um, so I think that's why I left, really. But no, yeah, Palace is still, still, still the team I look out for most. Oh, so you. after you left Palace in 98, then you, you went uh, to Brentford, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, that was really, yeah, ex-Palace. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. yeah. <laughs> uh, and you played under Ron Rhodes, did you not? Yeah, Ron was, uh, Ron was the manager. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was, manager, was he, was yeah. he manager stroke chairman at the same time, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 So um, what, what was he like uh, as a manager? Well, yeah, you see the different side to, to Ron there, really. Um, I didn't really know him anyway because we were only young kids uh, at Palace. You didn't really know what he was like. Yeah, and then, it was exciting because we brought Ray Lewington over with him. We had Terry Bullivant. We had good coaching staff and we brought uh, Danny Boxwell first and he, I got contacted to go there. But we had, it wasn't a big free team. Ron made sure we had top notch, <laughs> top notch everything really, to be honest. And Ron wasn't out there. He was out there when we were training, but he never, he never took training. Oh. He was out there and I think he wanted to be more more hands-on maybe but he never interfered he knew that Ray and Terry were doing the coaching all the time but as I said Ron was very good to us so we got very good treated very well and we had good success there very good mm. times at Brent but I've got very happy memories there you played uh, some of what over 100 odd games didn't you down at Brent yeah about 140 there and that was weird I shouldn't have, well it wasn't my choice to leave there we got yeah no I went with Andy Scott to Oxford um, but yeah at Brentford is we had a very successful one the league, one good three in our first year, then unbeaten in about 26, 27 games. Um, and a lot of the players there have gone on to have very good careers in, in the Prem. Uh, Herman obviously come with us from yep. from Palace for there for like three quarters of a million, I think, something like that. No, something yeah. like that. No, wasn't signed him for. It's a hell of a lot of money back then for a good three team to pay. But he was outstanding. Um, and he was just, he was miles too good for that level. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, it was too good, but it was too easy for him. But yeah, we had a very good young, again, very good young team there. Then you went on to play, as you said, for uh, Oxford, and I think you had spells with Bristol Rovers, AFC yeah. Wimbledon, and uh, Stevenage, yeah. I think, as well, wasn't Stevenage, it? Stevenage, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I left Oxford and Bristol, I didn't really enjoy my time there. Mm. Nothing, nothing near as. Palace and Brentford, yeah, they went into non-league with Stevenage and we missed, we lost in a playoff game there to go back into the league in the first year. Um, but Graham, he's gotten back in there now, as you, as you know, back up into, it's amazing what he's done there, he's done a great job at Stevenage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then eventually got to play for AFC, which is another, another brilliant club to be honest. Yeah. yeah, I knew they'd go back in there. I said literally when, when I left, I think they were, well, it's exactly about three or four years. I said you'd be back in the league because they do everything properly and the fans there are proper, proper people. Yeah. Um, I worked with uh, one of the commercial director there. He got me a job, uh, my first job really with him as part of the deal to sign there. And you get to see behind the scenes and the first time really to see what proper football fans do and how much yeah. they love their clubs. 
so I'm so pleased for them, yeah, to be back in the league. Absolutely. I think everyone's delighted to see them. I mean, because obviously yeah. they are now the proper Wimbledon club. They, yeah, yeah, they are, yeah, they are. It's just the so fans nice are, and people who literally just do everything to make sure that club run when they're in yeah. far, far down here. Yeah, and they say they put a lot of time and effort in that <laughs> to get them Looking back here. And so I'm looking forward to us actually having some games against them to try and renew a bit of the old uh, South London. Yeah, it's a shame that um, they didn't beat Crawley because they would have played yeah. against Palace, wouldn't they? In the Carlton yeah, Cup, yeah. I'd have yeah. been to that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Rob, uh, um, sort of, uh, if we say move up to the sort of uh, the, the present time, can you yeah. tell us how? Uh, you've moved into coaching and which coincidentally includes a new job working with some of the kids at Palace is it the under 10s or 11s yeah, yeah the under 10s so under how 10s. are you enjoying being back at Palace coaching yeah loving it loving it to be honest um, I've been involved I got into coaching a couple of years ago I coach um, at Welling United Academy Welling's another team another team I played for mm. um, and we've set up an academy there's a lot of non-league teams and pro teams do with the boys do similar to what I did the YTS and they do football alongside it and I'm a coach and I do a bit of tutoring there now but uh, yeah I've been involved in non-league and I wanted I've done my B licence now coaching and I wanted to get into a professional team I just want to progress up the ladder type of thing on that side and I contacted Dougie uh, this year Dougie in about February time and mm. just texted him and said is there any possibility is there any uh, job opportunities that might happen just bear me in mind um, and he brilliantly got back to me the, the same night uh, and said yeah what's, what's your CV send me your CV uh, send it in there I'll have a look at it ask me what I've been up to coaching wise and then yeah I've had a couple of meetings been along to watch him train and been lucky enough to yeah get a job with the under 10s and it's only briefly when I had a few sessions at the moment, but I've been yeah. yeah loving it to be involved with a professional team, obviously Palace, because that's my the team where it started for me and the team I I uh, want to do well, and I'm just pleased mm. to get back in there. Yeah, excellent. Be being like a product yourself of the youth system yeah. at Palace, things must have changed a lot at the club since your time yeah. there. Yeah. In, in what way have things changed? Just facilities. Facilities as the games moved on. The, the training grounds, uh, training ground is very, very nice and a lot, a lot better than what we had at Mitchum. Certainly, saying that, like Mitchum, the pitches were lovely. We just didn't have all the extra bits on top of it. But um, yeah, everything looks even going down to the tens. The stuff they get is professional. You get they get nutrition advice, fitness advice. Everything's done for done from to make them succeed. And I haven't been there very long yet, but I can see that what Gary, uh, the academy major, and David are doing there is getting success. As they've proven when we had a, a coaches meeting, the Palace have produced more players to get through to the first team, Davies, than any other team in London, including Chelsea and Arsenal. So Palace get success at academy level, producing players because we have to. Because yeah. money nowadays, everyone knows, is a joke, and you need to produce your players because you can't spend all that money on recruiting players. Okay. I mean, uh, you were mentioning Gary. Gary is a, is uh, yeah. he's, he's highly thought of. Uh, 
yeah. at Palace, obviously, and I think he's yeah. getting a, a good reputation in in football in general as as yeah. being a, a, as developing players and bringing them yeah. through. Is, uh, is is that your opinion of of Gary yourself? Yeah, I, I've done uh, briefly I've, the dealings I've had so far. I've been very, yeah, as you said, very impressed with him. He's, he's been, he must be doing something like the players he's got through at Palace recently as well like yes. last year. So that's what I mean. That's why I want to progress and learn from learn, learn from people like Gary and get better myself because I'm only been coaching a few years and I want to you need to just learn as much as you can that's why I wanted to get into a professional environment and that's my main ambition progress to do me a license progress palace if I can hopefully um, and then yes it will affect me but it's yeah. all the things there to succeed and um, hopefully palace can just keep producing more and more players Mm. And so, so uh, the interesting. There's a, a, a thread about the academy on on the HOL message boards at the moment, yep. and it basically says, um, I can't remember it word for word verbatim, <laughs> but it's something about is the academy uh, really as good as we're led to believe? Um, and there's a lot of discussion about you know it, it's overhyped or it is really good mm -hmm. depending on which side of the fence you are. Really, I mean. Um, Judging from from my perspective, what I've seen and what I've heard, it does seem to be a good academy. Um, uh, but the question is, you know, uh, how many p of of these players are going to go on and and have really good careers yeah. as opposed to sort of dropping out or having bit part careers, you know? Yeah, that's just, well, that's the tough thing. Every not just Palace Academy, every academy. I think even now for these their young boys, for the youth team boys. The battle to get to get there is, is tough. It's tough, no matter where. But the rewards now are so, so much more financially rewarding than it was in our day. Mm. When I was coming through, their rewards are amazing if they if they can get there. For that very very small percentage of the boys who get there, it's unbelievable for them. So mm. I can't. Honestly speaking, I haven't had the, the day to day dealings with uh, the academies enough yet to see. Mm what they're like, but I want to, I know that Palace get results, and I know they are highly thought of, results prove that, and um, I'm looking forward to this, I mean, getting to see a lot more games this year, because yeah. I'm not playing anymore, I'm going to get to see a lot of Palace youth team games, other academy games, comparing what they like against the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's and the Tottenham's, the ones yeah. with all the bundles of money, and can go and pay for boys, uh, no matter what age, at 9, at 10, I know that happens. Um, the Palace now, like this year, you probably know they're doing a day release scheme to try yes. and all going into a school to get more contact hours, which has got to be done if yeah. to help Palace and to help English football. That's why we're so far behind. We don't get enough contact hours with the boys. Um, and Palace is very exciting, I think, for them yeah. to be able to do that this year. That's to be honest. That's the ex exactly the subject I was going to ask you about before before Mark gives you your last question. Um, yeah. Obviously, at the age group you're working with, um, it, contact time is is you know pretty low. I would say at, at sort of under tens. Yeah. But um, yeah. you know we have made these this effort to get get them into I think it's Oasis School. I think it's called yeah. to get them um, okay. get more contact time. But what I was going to say to yeah. you is in terms of under tens. Um, it, yeah. uh, do the do the players who are uh, sort of going to reach the top, shall we say, that already shine through? Is there enough? Is there enough to see it then, or could it literally be any of them? I think so. I think 
This is my real first time of working. We will be working with this age as well. So that's why it's new to me as well. So that's quite exciting as well because yeah. I haven't had years of experience of seeing teams progress through to 14, then into the youth team. So I've got some talented boys in this in my age group already from what I've seen. That's only in training, so I can't yeah. comment too much with much substance. But from what I've seen technically, they're very good, very exciting. and. I don't know, let me yeah, speak to me last week at the end of the season and I've seen lots of boys at this age and mm. other teams and you think, yeah, everyone will always say he's got a chance, he's got a chance. Yeah. But there's been so many of them that I've seen who's good at 10 and he's just got no interest at 14 or has just, yeah, been caught up. Well, just out of interest, Rob, do, um, do you find when you're coaching the kids, especially of the sort of age group you are, the parents yeah. are on your case all the time? Um, right, you've got um, to see my lad. My lad's great, and uh, why yeah, isn't my yeah, lad yeah. playing? And you know, and uh, yeah. all this sort of thing. Is, is do you get a bit of that? There's got to be a balance. Yeah, there's got to be a balance. Obviously, everyone uh, has to want the best for their their boy. Um, they're going to have to understand when the boys get affiliated with professional teams, and there has to be a distance as well. There has to be the distance that the boys are not going to be able to listen to their mums and dads shouting on the side and listening to the coaches, that's why they're there, a professional team, they've got to trust us. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, had a, I've had quite a few dealings with the parents, but it's good because you need to keep relationships with them good and keep them on side as well. We yeah. want the parents to feel part of it. That's one of Palace's um, appeals, I think, because he is very friendly and you want parents I mean, the parents to feel part of it. <laughs> think the parents are trying to live their children's dreams. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, that, that happened to people when I was young as well. There's loads of parents, and I think it's even probably has got worse because of the money involved. The parents could see that not only the kids yeah. can make, they can make out of it, which is wrong exactly. in some sense, but I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to encounter that, that, that side of it. Um, yeah, because they want their, they want to be have a nice house as well, didn't they? As well as they <laughs> <laughs> and everything else that goes yeah. with it. Finally, yeah, uh, exactly. Rob, um, uh, as you said, you, you sort of uh, um, sound like you intend to stay in coaching and do your various licenses and badges and so forth. Uh, do yeah. you see yourself, or would you like to see yourself as a professional football manager? At uh, some time, you know, in the in the future, is that your ambition? Would you say? Yeah, I think everyone's got ambition. I think I'd like to take it, yeah, step by step, type of thing. The missus wouldn't be too happy if she don't really like <laughs> football. So um, it's always been. This is my first time. I'm not not playing, and now I've got the job at Palace, and now I'm out at weekends again anyway. So, uh, yeah, unless I get loads and loads of money, obviously, then she'll be happy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. No, yeah, I would like to sometime. I had a brief taste of helping out non-league, but it's just, I don't know. I've got the ump with non-league at the moment. <laughs> it's just too much hassle, too much hassle. And I want to, yeah, I want to progress at Palace. And if not Palace, I'll have a professional team. And then get into somewhere, just climb the ladder, really, take it step by step. And hopefully... Yeah, managing the future. No matter, I don't know what level, um, but I just want to test myself yeah, and get my qualifications and prove myself and see where that goes, see where it takes me from there. Who knows? Possible right. future Palace manager. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. yeah.
Alright then, okay. Rob, that's that's all the questions we have for you. We really appreciate okay. you taking the time out to come onto the show and, uh, no and tell us about about your times and uh, the people you played with and managed under and, and what you're doing at the moment. Yeah. Uh, no I'm sure uh, everyone will be very interested to hear. Yeah. Hear, um, I'd just like to say, um, well, thank, obviously thanks as well, Rob, but I'd just also like to say that we'll, um, we'll, we'll keep in touch with you and see how you're getting on yeah. uh, on the coaching yeah, yeah, side of no things. Problem. And, and hopefully yeah, have you no back one day as well. If that's yeah, I'm going to get to more games this year as well. I haven't booked yeah. games I'm looking forward to. I been back for Excellent. a while. Fantastic stuff. stuff. Cool. Thanks very much, Rob. Cheers now. No problem. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Bye. Rob. Bye. All the best. Bye. Nostalgia Gambling um, Feature Okay, and thanks very much for listening. We've uh, we've enjoyed it this week. And um, next week, we're not too sure what we've got for you, but it'll be another packed show where we'll be reviewing and previewing the week's games. Uh, so that's a goodbye. Goodbye. It's seamless, guys. Absolutely seamless. Well done. Yeah. Bye from the other two as well. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.